0: Welcome to season two of the Finding Joy podcast. We didn't get canceled. Ooh, I know. We knew this for a whole nother season. Uh, I, Benji was holding out for more money. I think that's, <laughs> that's what it was. It, yeah. That's what yeah. took us so long to finally get <laughs> right. this. We are shining a spotlight on the joy that exists in the lives of people all around us. Some of them are people that we have just met for the first time. Others are people that we've known, golly, for Over 30 years. You had to add
1: all of that up, didn't you, Jerry? I did in my mind. Okay, 88. I
0: was married in 78. Okay, I've been married 42 years. So 32 years. I was thinking the number of radio years experience in that room the day we recorded that podcast. Had to be close to three thousand years. Yes, probably, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> between the five of us that were involved, no, it was had to be well over a hundred years. Definitely, well yeah. over hundred years. When you add you two guys and then mm-hmm. me and then mm-hmm. Lloyd, who's yeah. been doing this since like seventy-two.
1: Lloyd Parker is who we're talking about, and his wife, Ellen, Mm -hmm. joined us. Uh, Now, Lloyd is someone that you worked with.
0: Yes, he was my boss, the general manager of the radio station I worked at on Long Island, New York, WLIX. It was an a.m. daytime station, Mm -hmm. and there was actually one point where some of the rules were relaxed that we were able to go to midnight and sign off. Then we were able to go overnights, but... It was an AM station on Long Island, not exactly a hotbed of Christianity and Christian music. No. So we eventually cut it back down to I think we were signing off at midnight. But when I first got there, we would sign on at sunup and sign off at sundown. So in the wintertime, it was great because once I became the program director, I didn't have to worry about anybody calling me with a problem after 530 because the sun was down. That's right. We were (laughs) off the air. (laughs) I remember those dates very well. Oh, I did too. I, I worked
1: at a station like that, and uh, I remember signing off with the national anthem every day. I don't know if every station was required to do that. We just like doing it. Yeah, right. We're yeah. patriotic. So, yeah, very good. So anyway. anyway, I, I worked I there in
0: the uh, the late '80s into the mid '90s, and uh, it was a very special time in my life and my career, and in Christian music as well. As we really mm-hmm. started to see things grow, and Christian radio started to get a little bit more solid in its footing and what it was doing and and started to spread out more across the country that was one of the first christian radio stations in america one of the most influential especially in that part of the country there was one other station wwdj which was in hackensack new jersey that served the area but other than that for as far as contemporary christian music radio that was it in the greater new york area
1: this was a great conversation too because i felt like we got a good span of basically all of contemporary Christian music
2: history yeah. from that's, uh, the early inception. That's what fascinated me to hear Lloyd talk about the early days. And then, you know, when you guys worked together on Long Island, that's when I really started to listen to Christian music was listening to you yeah. and WLIX. And just to hear from that point, the progression to where we are today. Oh, that's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. amazing. All right,
1: well, I think we're stalling enough here. (laughs) We should should let uh, this conversation begin, what do you guys say? Let's do it.
0: I am so excited, guys, to be able to introduce you to these two people. We've been trying to get them for a while. They just recently, within the last six months or so, moved into our general area. They're down near Macon, and we'll get more detail on that coming up. But these two I have known since 1988, hugely instrumental in my career and and my life, and they've been a big part of my life. They were a huge part of my life from 88 to 95 when I worked with them, Uh, but have been some of the dearest friends I've had since then, and we just don't get to see each other often enough. It's Lloyd and Ellen Parker. Welcome, first of all. It's wonderful to see you guys. Okay.
3: Thank you, Jerry. It's great to be here.
0: Lloyd was the general manager at the time of WLIX on Long Island, 540 AM, Christian 54, mm-hmm. we used to call it, AM radio station daytimer because it was so far down the end of the dial. We had people, and if, if you're familiar with the geography of Long Island, we were in Bayshore, Shore, uh, which is on the south shore of Long Island in Suffolk County, which is about the middle of the island. Yes, yeah, is. right. But we did a guest DJ contest once when I was doing mornings there, and we had a guy from Atlantic City. Which was three hours down the coast in Jersey. Who was listening to the radio station? Every once in a while, we get people in Philadelphia who could hear us. Just yeah, yeah wow, uh, because yeah. of the way the, the signal would skip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is Lloyd and Ellen, and I've known them forever, and they've been around even longer than I have, Rob. <laughs>
4: really, <Wow. laughs> it's hard to believe, Jerry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Lloyd, sir, you were
3: 72. 72. I uh, I went to uh, Evangel College in Springfield, Missouri. I was going to be a scientist, a biologist. And that was my major. And I went there and took chemistry and all this kind of stuff. And in uh, January of 1972, I was walking around the campus, walked into the campus radio station and uh, went to the general manager or the station manager at the time, and I just said, uh, you guys are doing a great job here, but nobody knows you're here. You want me to do, maybe make some posters for you and hand some flyers out or something? They said, oh, no, no, we don't need that. We don't need that, but we have, a, we have an airship on Sunday afternoon that we need to be filled. Would you like to do that? <laughs> now, you can picture a scientist major kind of a guy. That's, that was not in my wheelhouse at all, but one thing led to another, and I said, okay. Well, as you know, there is a thing called a radio bug, and that bug bit me. <laughs> and so I, uh, I changed my major. I told my parents, you know, I wanted to become a, a radio DJ or get into the radio business. And they were like flabbergasted. They couldn't believe it. So I changed my major, and about eighteen months later, I was a manager of the radio station. <laughs> wow!
1: <laughs> so it's uh, it's an interesting time. Yeah, sure. that's a similar story to me too. I mean, yeah. that I got to imagine that a lot of people get the radio bug just from getting that experience in college radio. Yeah. But then you find out once you get into real radio—sorry, any college radio people—but <laughs> yeah. but you know, once it's a job for you, it's a lot different. It's it not is. just anything goes, right. you right. know, yeah, like right. it is in college radio. But it's so much fun that you just cannot deny how much fun you're having mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm.
3: yeah it was uh interesting back then because we wanted to do christian radio but there was not a lot of christian music to yeah play 72 it was george beverly shea and dave boyer and you know i guess you could say the mormon tabernacle choir or something yeah. like that but there was not a lot out there so we were scrambling every week to try and come up with some artists to play some music to play so you had larry norman yep. and you had the second chapter of acts Diary Maguire, Randy Matthews. Mm -hmm. Those those were the stalwarts, really, of the
0: format. Mm -hmm. Andre, if you you would go a little bit that way, you'd Andre. So, 72, you're scrambling to find music to play. Right. And there was no quote
3: unquote format. So, we kind of broadened what we would play. So, you'd go to Andre on one side, but then we did things like the Oak Ridge Boys. And what happened is a lot of the Southern gospel groups would record songs from the Jesus people of California. And they would do Andre's songs. So J.D. Sumner and the Stamps and the Oak Ridge Boys and some of those groups would be doing these contemporary songs, basically contemporary country gospel, I guess, is what it was at the time. And so we would mix some of those songs in. So the format was kind of broad, but we made it work. And um, this was before it was as sophisticated a format as it is now as far as – Having uh, certain times of the hour, you'd play certain songs and all that kind of stuff. We didn't really get into all that kind of stuff. We were just trying to find something to play. Right. But uh, like Larry Norman was a huge
0: part. Yeah. Kind of so you left school and you went back to Long Island. You were, you were from Long Island originally. Right.
3: Yeah. Well, in 74, uh, I was a junior and they opened up a new gospel station in Springfield called KLFJ. I got hired as the program director of that station. So while I was going to college and also managing the campus station, I was also the program director <laughs> of this new station in town. <laughs> so I was there, and basically there was a, a news announcer at the local CBS TV affiliate who was one of the owners of this Christian station, along with three other guys. So he hired me, and I was the, I was the afternoon drive disc jockey, and I was playing this Christian music at the time, which actually there was more of it by then, so that, that helped. And on Thanksgiving... Of nineteen seventy four, he asked me to come into his office after I got off the air and I and I went into his office and he says, I hate to tell you this, but I gotta let you go. The other three owners were basically uh, outvoted him to, to let me go because I was playing too much contemporary music. Oh, you're kidding. Wow. They wanted more Florida boys. And, uh, the so happy, they
0: didn't give you a chance to make a change. No, just, that's yeah, it. He's yeah. gone.
3: Happy Goodmans and that kind of stuff. That's what they wanted. And uh, I didn't realize that they were into it quite as much as it was. I, maybe I was just a naive kid. I don't know what it was. But anyway, so I wasn't there much longer than that. So I was there about four or five months total. Anyway, I did that, and then um, uh, there's a, a rock station in town called KICK, which was the big Springfield, Missouri rock station at the time. And I was a news announcer there, and I did that for a while. And while I was doing that, I was reading an, an issue of Billboard, and there was a cover story that said uh, a gospel station was coming to Long Island. I didn't know anything about it, but it, it excited me because I was going to be able to go back home. And so I basically just quit my job and just in faith, really. It was in faith because there was no other reason for me doing it. I packed up my stuff, and I went to New York. I got to New York on a Friday, applied for the job on a Monday. I think there was like 15 other guys, and I got the job. So wow. uh, I got a job as a, as a news announcer at this new gospel station, WNYG. Yeah, I remember. On Long Island. And within a week, the guy they had hired to be the uh, afternoon drive announcer— and me, who was hired to be the news announcer, we, it was kind of pretty obvious that neither one of us were in the right seat on the bus. <laughs> uh, I really should be the, uh, the uh, disc jockey, and he should really be the news announcer. So we switched. And so I was there for like four years and uh, became the program director of that. And, um, and then our good friend Joe Battaglia gave mm-hmm. me a call back in 78 in and said, uh, hey, uh, this other friend of ours uh, and I uh, were buying WLIX on Long Island. I would like you to be the program director. And so that was uh, December of 78. Wow. So I said, man, I'd love to do that. So
0: Ten years later, I got there. Yep. And then seven years later, it got sold. But there's a
3: lot that happened in between. Yeah, yeah it really was. <laughs> we did, we did a, lot of, uh, a lot of interesting things. I think we did a couple of things that were kind of that, uh, ahead of the curve. I started a newspaper there, WLI Extra, uh, probably in the, in the mid-'80s. Because I like the idea of being able to offer our advertisers something besides airwaves and uh, give them something in print. And so that really kind of took off and did really well. And then we started a, uh, we did a lot of concerts, individual concerts here and there of the artists that were uh, in Christian music at the time. And then in uh, 19, I think it was 83, we partnered with Smithtown Gospel Tabernacle, Mm -hmm. which was the largest Christian church uh, in the market. It was like 2,000 people. And uh, we started a concert series, and we did that for 11 years. Usually, we did anywhere from five to nine a year, and they were always on a Thursday. It was a free will offering concert. And, I mean, we brought, you know, Steve Curtis Chapman and Steve Camp and Wayne mm-hmm. Watson and uh, a, lot of, a lot of the big names at the time in and uh, just had a great time. And yeah. people became more familiar with the artists. It was very, it was very um, stripped down. It wasn't a big band thing. It was uh, many times it was just acoustic guitar. And yeah. the, and the or artists. even tracks. Mm-hmm. You know, and tracks. tracks, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You probably mc
0: a lot of yeah, I did. I did. I remember one of the first times I met Steven, and it was just him and, and one other, a sound guy. Yeah. This was before he was Stephen Curtis Chapman. He was just Steven Curtis. People thought it was Steve and Curtis. Yeah, right. I thought it was a duo. <laughs> yeah. And after the show, he wanted to go get something to eat, but he wanted to have soup. Yeah. And so the only place that had soup that was open at that time was Dunkin' Donuts. So we went to Dunkin' Donuts across from the hospital where Terry, uh, my wife, was in the hospital because she had just given birth to Kelsey, our daughter. So that was nineteen, March of 1990. We had Stephen Curtis Chapman there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and my son Caleb was with me. And then when Stephen had a kid, he named him Caleb. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I had anything to do with that or not. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yeah. But I started. I became good friends with Stephen yeah. because yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah. We, had a, we had a lot of uh,
3: fun friendships based on that concert series. Yeah. Wayne Watson, who I think the world of, uh, he loved to come to New York because after the concert, we would go to the Smithtown Diner. And, uh-huh. and he just loved listening to the accents of the waitresses and stuff like that. And, and he would just, he'd be laughing.
4: And we just had a great time. <laughs> Invariably, there'd be a bunch of New York uh, ladies who just finished their bowling league. <laughs> right. And, and in, in, in high spirits that he enjoyed watching. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. So it was, it was a good time.
1: Now, Jerry did this to me Uh, on one of our recent interviews, so I'm going to do it to him. You got any funny stories about this guy that that might be embarrassing to him that uh, we've got to hear?
3: I mean, Jerry just – he was a great, very uh, dependable, uh, faithful employee. He showed up when he needed to show up. He stayed later if he needed to stay later. He did the job that he needed to do. He had a good attitude. Got along
1: with everybody. Got along with
0: everybody. I mean, somebody's writing this down. I hope. Man, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm not buying it.
0: Yeah. I would now. I said we got there in '88. In February of '89, we had a house fire. We were living in the upstairs of a mother daughter conversion, and actually our landlady perished in the fire mm. and lloyd and ellen graciously allowed me and terry and caleb to move in with them and we were there for six i don't know weeks. weeks yeah six weeks weeks right. at least yeah, yeah i think before months, we found months, another something. place mm-hmm. so we would we'd down in the basement my wife was working at one of the psych hospitals uh, in new york on the floor and caleb was of course going to school and i was doing the morning show yeah. i do remember one time you guys told me about it later on that you woke up and it was like four forty-five or five o'clock and you hadn't heard me get up yet
4: Yes. Uh, And you were saying to
0: Lloyd, I wonder, should we go wake him up? He's a big boy. He's got an alarm clock. Let him know he'll get up. It was like
4: having a teenager in the house, (laughs) and you're afraid they're not going to get up and do their job. (laughs) And here he's your employee, so you don't want to – that would be so annoying to think that, uh, excuse me, you need to get up. Yeah, go to work because (laughs) you're (laughs) late. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, I do remember that. That's right. I do remember that. Yeah, Yeah, that was – you called us. It was probably – Four, it, I think it happened o'clock. on a Sunday morning. It was four or five o'clock in the morning. Yeah. something like that it was still dark. And you call, you said there'd been a fire. And uh, can we come mm. there? We yeah. don't have any place to go. And I said absolutely. And I get up and I went down the basement. And I pulled out the couch and made the bed and got towels out and blew up a, an inflatable mattress for your for son Caleb, Caleb yeah. to sleep on and got <laughs> that made. And and just while I walked around, was praying for y'all because I just couldn't even imagine what you'd been through and. Mm-hmm. So well, they just
3: showed up in your pajamas. Yeah, I
4: mean,
0: yeah. Well, I, got, I actually got dressed. Caleb and Terry were still in our pajamas, but I got dressed before I, I think, before I called nine one one. I don't remember. Maybe I called nine one one first. I, I remember
4: your dog woke you up.
0: Yes, right? yeah. Our woke dog woke up. us up, yep. and, and we, we farmed the dog out. One of the uh, was it Bob Mitchell? Was that the guy's name? Bob Mitchell. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He took the dog. Yeah, yeah. Hated the dog, but he <laughs> took him because we couldn't
4: have a dog because our son has asthma and he's yeah. allergic, so we couldn't have the dog. Oh, our house. But I remember God. getting up that night. And as I was working, praying that God would provide for mm-hmm. you guys, and that he, he would more than provide, that you would look back someday and say, we were better off after that happened than we were before.
0: And I do remember that after we'd been there for a while, you organized this big cleaning party. So we went over to the house. That was, we were able to get, move a lot of stuff out and, and brought a lot of our dishes that Terry and I had had since our wedding. Because yeah. we'd been, at that point, we'd been married 11 years. Yeah. And you and three or four other ladies from the station were out there at the kitchen scrubbing all the smoke and the yeah. soot yeah. off of our, our dishes. It was and a yeah. devastating
4: fire. Too. It I was, it called was. A bunch yeah. of churches and a bunch of people came together oh, and yeah. donated stuff. And no, that's right. Yeah. I, yeah. I wow. did what I do best. I prayed and I got on the phone <laughs> and I bugged people. And that was very effective. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we still remember that
0: fondly. It's not that we the circumstances that caused it were, were dreadful, but. Oh, yeah. sure. The fact that you guys were there for us says an awful lot. No. And well, we will never forget that. Yeah, we loved
4: Glad having you guys.
0: That. Yeah, there. loved having you there.
1: Yeah. For sure. Got to know you better. It was that yeah. wonderful. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. And still love me. <laughs> <laughs> since WLIX, how has uh, the career path gone since then?
3: We sold WLIX in 95. And um, I had been to an industry event. Uh, the previous May, and met with Dick Jenkins, who at the time was the president of K Love Radio. And he and I were just chatting and stuff, and he just said, Hey, just so you know, if anything ever happens, you know, I'd love to talk to you, because we're looking for a general manager to manage the network. And I said, Oh, okay, I'll keep kind of keep that in mind and stuff. And um, little did I, did I realize that th- God would orchestrate everything, yeah. but I, I, you know, a couple of months later, I, d- I actually did call him up. And uh, we talked a little bit more, and he flew us out there and, to uh, – sa- they're based in Sacramento. And uh, went out to Sacramento, met the, the team, the staff there, and uh, one thing led to another, and uh, I accepted that position. So we packed our family up and traveled uh, the whole country over to uh, Sacramento and started there. And I was there for t- about 10 years. Hmm. And um, that was an interesting time because uh, Kayla, which is now a huge – they had like 20 employees and 27 signals. Uh, by the time I left, not because I did the work specifically at all, but uh, they had like 275 employees and they were like on 400 stations or something wow. like that. It was, they re- it was a time of growth, major, major growth. It was like we were adding people and stations all the time.
4: I don't think we took a full breath for 10 years. Yeah. That's what it felt like. It was just the incredible growth, which is wonderful and exhausting at the same time. <laughs> it
3: was, and we had young kids at the time. And mm-hmm. uh, so it was, it was a lot of, lot of work, a lot of effort, a lot of great people we worked with. And uh, so we were there for, for a good 10 years. And I kind of felt God was just leading me into something else. Uh, my good friend Bob Augsburg, who founded Way FM and, and their organization, he and I started talking and um, they were looking to move their current COO, a chief operating officer, to another position called senior vice president. So they were looking for a, a chief operating officer. So I applied for that and went to, they're based in Colorado Springs, so I went to Colorado Springs and uh, was there for 14 years and then uh, just this past uh, December, I resigned from there and uh had the opportunity to move to uh, Kathleen, Georgia. And uh, we bought the house next door to my daughter, who has (laughs) three of our grandchildren. Mm. And uh, so we've been uh, living in just a, a lovely place of our lives in Kathleen, Georgia, and uh, seeing our kids all the time and grandkids all the time. Awesome. So
1: is this retirement for you? or You
3: know, um, not officially, not really. I mean, kind of, but um, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, on the, like, I'm on the Gospel Music Association Board of Directors, so I'm still involved. I have my fingers in some of the, the pies around, um, and I get calls from different people asking me how to do certain things and whatnot. But so maybe semi-retired would be a better way of yeah. saying it. I'm, I'm open to whatever God has, and if he opens up a door, I'll go through it. I, I'm not looking to necessarily leave and do anything you know, major full-time and 40 hours a week kind of thing anymore, but right. I'm enjoying what I'm doing now, so and this is the season he has me.
0: You know, one thing I didn't mention when we were actually recording this episode was Lloyd is just such a humble guy— He was so influential, continues to be influential in Christian radio, but never pushed himself up front. There were two guys from that part of the country, Lloyd, and then the guy he referenced, I don't know if he mentioned his name, Joe Battaglia, who uh, was a co-owner of WLIX, but also was the manager of WWDJ in Hackensack, New York City. And they were both very influential in what became the National Christian Radio Seminar and now has morphed into another organization in getting Christian radio together as a group and establishing some standards and helping to influence the growth and the polish and the professionalism of Christian radio. Lloyd was always right up there with them, but always kind of secure and happy to be in the background and do what needed to be done and let other people take all the accolades. Right, yeah. Amazing a, guy, amazing yeah, guy. man! Some amazing stories and more to come.
2: <laughs> yeah, but wait, there is more. Yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> lots
1: of stories about some of the artists that uh, were a part of contemporary Christian music in the early days. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman. We're going to hear about uh, you know the early days, and Jerry's got a great story. We'll hear about Stephen Curtis Chapman too right there's
2: also uh, a little conversation about Glenn Campbell yeah yeah Um, yeah yeah, the rhinestone cowboy yes
1: you know (laughs) right (laughs) yeah talking about Carmen and Rich Mullins too yeah so so yeah this is uh, we're we're not done
0: Carmen not Carmen Brown no (laughs) No. right (laughs) (laughs) right some of our listeners because Carmen hasn't done a lot lately might think Carmen Brown what does she got no no. this is an artist named Carmen yes
1: (laughs) right right yeah we'll also talk about some of the spiritual lessons that we're learned uh, in their career in Christian radio, too. Just some really good, rich conversation that we're going to have with them. And all of this reminds me of something that everybody can take advantage of, one of our alternate streams, Classic Joy. I'm glad you brought that up.
2: Yeah, because, I mean, you probably, if you have been a longtime fan of Christian music and Talking about all of these artists that we have, and we'll be talking about more of them. You're going to be, oh, where can I find that stuff? Well, we play it on one of our alternate streams, Classic Joy. Yeah, and you can find that at
1: thejoyfm.com, and we'll actually give you a link to that in the show notes. We've got some other alternate streams yeah. too. One that I'm on, yes. uh, you know, at night. On, you know, depending on what time zone you're in, but <laughs> <laughs> 7 to 11 Eastern. There's pretty on,
0: much night everywhere. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh,
1: yeah, LF Radio, which is positive hits and hip hop. I love that format. And uh, we've also got Joy Worship, which yeah. is just all worship all the time. So.
0: so, and that's available not only on the website, but on the free Joy FM Georgia mobile app as well. All go. three of those streams.
4: With all this going on in the world today and it just feeling
3: so incredibly divided. How can we have unity in the body of Christ? David Holt,
4: pastor of Living Hope in Athens, is on the latest Jewel Show podcast.
0: We have to be really careful how much social media we look at, how much news we watch. There's so many conflicting views, and you know what? Some may trust in horses, some in chariots. I'm going to trust in the name of the Lord, my
4: God. To hear more of my conversation with David Holt, go to thejoyfm.com slash jewels or wherever you get your podcast from.
1: You guys have been in a lot of different areas of the country. Is there just geographically? I mean, not necessarily uh, you know related to job is there any area of the country that you guys have maybe enjoyed the most or is it Kathleen
3: they're all obviously they're all very very different you know, New York California Colorado and Georgia they're all yeah. really different we enjoyed the diversity of each one each one is different in, in a different kind of a way but we've enjoyed that part of it from my vantage point, it's pretty hard not to really appreciate waking up and looking at Pikes Peak from oh, your back no. window. Yeah. I yeah. love Colorado
1: Springs. Yeah, yeah, that Pikes Peak is everywhere you yeah. are in that city. Yeah. It was
4: uh, pretty magnificent yeah, to look at that yeah. every day.
3: The, the mountains are pretty magnificent, and um, it's it's a nice place. It's kind of a destination place, so you have a lot of people who want to go there for vacation, so you get to see a lot of people driving through and to stay with you and stuff. So that's kind of been fun.
4: We had three guest rooms in our house, and they were often all filled. <laughs> <laughs> I used to call it
3: Ellen's bed Breakfast you
4: know? <laughs>
3: so. could be a
2: side thing. You know? Yeah, yeah. Right,
3: right. Uh, we obviously love New York and and uh, have a lot of family there. Their food is great, and there's a lot about there that we do like. Some some things not as much as others. California is great in its way too, and good climate and, and a lot of great people there too. So each one has been a blessing in different ways at different times of our lives. So, but uh, right now we're loving Kathleen. <laughs> it's great when your you know six year old granddaughter knocks on the door. It, Seven o'clock at night says, uh, "Grandpa, I want to say goodnight to you before I go to bed." I mean, that kind of thing's pretty cool. So. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, that sure is. Got to be. Sure yeah. Is. yeah. Any surprises about living in Middle Georgia? That uh, anything that's caught you off guard, or maybe you just hanging out at home more and <laughs> haven't even ventured out much. I don't yeah. know. So
4: far, we've loved it. The last three cities we've lived in have been military towns, Colorado Springs, five military bases, Sacramento had three or four when we got there. I think they're down to two now. And we're right near Robbins Air Force Base. And that has kind of impacted it. You get a real variety of people, which is kind of lovely. I think yeah. it's a little more of of a cross-section of what America looks like. And that's been kind of fun. So we've loved that. And the peach cobbler. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, the Peach colors. You
2: got to yeah. enjoy the Georgia Peaches. You know. right. yeah, great. Yeah. I got to ask you about what you've seen over the years with music. You talked about the early years in the 70s when it was Slim Pickens out there, and not only the diversity in Christian music, but also, I guess, the progression of the style mm-hmm. of music. I mean, you've seen a lot over the years. Yeah. Talk about watching Christian music grow. In that time
3: back in the 70s uh, mid 70s late 70s even the Christian music that came out although it certainly blessed so many people myself included and stuff from a sonic standpoint there was not a lot of budget for the production of a lot of these records mm-hmm. so these records were produced on fairly low budgets you know you put one of those records up against the Beatles or you'd put them up against Elton John or whoever else you happen to like And they sounded really a lot different. Mm -hmm. They they just didn't have the sonic quality. And so as it became more and more popular and more and more people bought the product and the record labels, the Christian record labels developed more and more. There were more budgets for that. And the quality of the records really started getting better and better and better. And they could, from a sonic standpoint, they could compete with what's out there. Mm -hmm. And that's when you would hear some stuff. Christian radio uh, songs that you're familiar with kind of crossing over to the mainstream side. Right. Whether it was Amy Grant or Michael W. Smith or some of these different artists. There were others that...
0: Kathy Tricoli. Kathy, Kathy Chicoley, a great DC
3: group.
2: Talk, I remember they crossed yeah. over yeah. in yeah. the Georgia early Klein. 90s. Yeah. You know. Benny Hester. I
3: mean,
4: there yeah. 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 The music was more performance-oriented mm-hmm. and now has definitely gotten to the point it's more worship-oriented. There's a different feel. One was more... To sing at you, and one was more to sing with, mm-hmm. and that
3: has changed. Substantially. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, and that's been kind of a slow progression. Uh, there were always a couple of pr- worship and praise kind of songs that would do well, and awesome God, and some of those guys of where they they were great. Um, but over the years, certainly in the last five, six, seven years, it's really shifted almost really predominantly into a praise and worship kind mm-hmm. of uh, of a thing. And and the the artists it used to be more personality driven. You know, you had quote-unquote, for lack of a better phrase, superstars, where you'd have Michael W. Smith or Stephen Curtis Chapman. They're very well-known personalities and stuff. So many of the artists now are worship teams, this Bethel music and this elevation, all these different groups, but you don't think of one person. You just think of a grouping kind of a thing. So it's, it, it's kind of changed a little bit that way too. Mm-hmm. Not, and none of it's bad. Uh, it's just, it's just progressed. It's right. evolved, I guess you could say.
2: You know, you talked earlier about hanging out at the Smithtown Diner with Wayne Watson. Those artists, has anything changed with them in the way they connect with the radio stations? In You know, they're still appreciative of what Christian radio is doing for them and and being more personable, I guess you could say.
3: Yeah, I mean, it it changed as, again, as the industry progressed, uh, when I promoted concerts back in the early uh, 80s or whatever, they would stay in my spare bedroom. You know, you didn't have to put them up in a four-star hotel or you didn't have to right. make sure they had certain uh, Only food. Only green
0: M&M's. Yeah, they're not, they never got to that stage, but I was actually going to say Smart that. I said, you know, but I mean. The same
4: uncomfortable pull-out couch that Jerry and his wife yeah. slept on, uh, quite a few artists slept on yeah. over the years. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. that's true. It was just
3: because you were trying to keep costs down. Right. And so, you know, they would stay with you. They would eat. If your mother was making dinner, they'd grab another, you know, uh, some meatballs and potatoes or whatever. And any that or whatever. You were trying just to get the music out there, and so you try to save as much money as you could, and just try to make it work. And so that's what a lot of the early days were. Well, then as as they become more professional and they have managers and they have you know, then you're paying for management costs and publicity, right? And, and all the different. You know, everybody gets a piece of the pie, so it becomes a bigger thing. And so that then they want, you know, it's not uh, a
4: bad thing.
3: It's not a bad thing, it's well, just part
4: a- of part of what would happen was all of a sudden instead of just having a contract for a concert, you'd have a contract with a rider and and you'd realize, okay, the green M&M thing wasn't really going on. But you would get someone who would send out a rider that said, We'd like a clean glass with the water, or one that said, I'd like to be picked up at the airport in a vehicle that has the chairs bolted to the floor. And you realize that there were stories behind no, a lot that of these, yeah. and you, couldn't, get that, you yeah. couldn't wait to ask right. what yeah. those were. And yeah. that included an artist who got picked up at an airport in a commercial van with only a driver's seat bolted to the floor, and he was put in a folding chair, an old web-style outside beach, beach, beach chair, chair <laughs> and was flying around in the back of this truck as they took him to the airport you begin to understand why they ask for those things. So these changes are not bad changes, yeah. but they were changes that needed yeah. to happen sometimes. It just it just it, it
3: became more sophisticated. Yeah. Right. It became bigger, it became more of a business on that on that level and stuff. And so they just that's just part of it.
2: But the heart of the artists and getting to know them has mm-hmm. never changed.
3: No, they're right. you know, some of the greatest people I know are these artists. I mean, these people for the most part, I mean, people are people and everybody's got their little bents and stuff, but for the most part these are wonderful people. Mm-hmm. You know, they're family people. They, you know, they have kids and they have stories to tell and, mm-hmm. you know, they have struggles and they have arguments and they just deal with all this kind of stuff. And uh, we had Steve and Curtis Chapman. Two uh, or three times within like a yeah, two-year period. Yeah. And one of those times I, th- I was thinking of you is that there were newlyweds and their apartment burned down. Mm-hmm. And we had them within two or three years, maybe two or three times up. To Long Island, and to this day, Stephen will mention that to me. He'll just say, "I'm so thankful that and, you did that because well, you really ministered to my family at a time when other people, when he wasn't, he wasn't the Stephen Curtis we know now, where everybody knows who he is. He was a brand new artist, and it, but
4: it, those yeah, artists, Stephen yeah. Curtis, you know, Michael W. Smith, those artists are still just the most wonderful, full of heart, gracious, lovely, godly people. That they always were, yeah. and and even more so. So that mm-hmm. part of it is just as, as wonderful as ever. It yeah. just is really a blessing to be yeah. part and of that.
0: There are the jerks there, too, because in any walk of life, you've got people who oh, are, sure. you know, and, and when you get to have as many artists as we have, just... The rule of math tells you there are going to be some people who maybe aren't as nice.
4: Right. The Lord right. weeds those That's people true. out yeah. over time. <laughs> yeah. Not yeah. quick enough for us sometimes, but He does. <laughs> I mean, you
0: see stuff. I mean, you know. and sometimes you catch people on a bad day. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, I
4: remember yeah. one artist who
0: shall remain nameless, but their husband was uh, the manager and there was something going on in the sound booth that he didn't like. Well, maybe we just don't have to have a concert was his first go-to. Not, please, can we get this fixed? But maybe we don't have to have a concert. Yeah. We played his
4: trump card first. It was like, well, we don't have to. I guess you're and, right. And yeah. then we've seen them do phenomenal things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had booked Carmen, which I'm not even sure your audience would know who that is. But we had, bu- we had booked Carmen on Long Island. Then we drove him after our concert over to New Jersey because our friend had him in concert the next night. And we brought him to the concert. And after the concert, we were supposed to bring him back over to our friend's house for some good, good New Jersey Italian food. There was going to be cannolis and spoolie dells and the whole works. OK, so we're all excited about going back. And we're at the record table waiting for him to finish up. And a young man with some special needs comes up to the table and he says, oh, Carmen, he goes, I thought you would be on last because he thinks Carmen's a big deal. But he, Carmen was the opening act. So the young man walks up and he says, I didn't get to see you because I was sharing the Lord with someone. So Carmen signed the guy's record album. The guy didn't even have money to pay for it. Carmen just handed it to him. And then he said to Lloyd and I, this is going to take a little while. Just don't make a big deal about it. I hope you don't mind. And he took the young man back inside to the sanctuary, opened up his guitar and played his entire set for one Special needs young man. Wow. All the sing backs. He did the whole set for this guy. And we were really late bringing him back for Cannolis (laughs) and Spoolia But I love telling that story because we've seen artists do those kinds of things. Yeah. Those kinds of intimate, sweet
0: moments. And we've seen
4: more of those than the bad stories. So that's why we're still sitting here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Do you remember the limo ride we took with Glenn Campbell?
3: Oh, I did. And it came to mind, of course, Glenn Pass not yeah, too long ago. Yeah. And you and I had some Facebook yeah, interactions yeah. on that. But uh, there was a period of time after he had his pinnacle of success, I guess you could say. A rhinestone out, cowboy days. Yeah, yeah, he put out okay. a, a Christian album. And I got a call from the record label that he was going to be in town. He'd love to come out and visit the station, but we would have to get him there. So uh, we had a trade with Ray Toka. Yeah, yeah. He's a live limo. And um, so we, we took, you and I took a limo ride into Manhattan. We picked up Glen Campbell at the curb and uh, he got in the car and we drove back the 65 miles back to the radio station with him in the car. And you and I had some great uh, yeah, interactions yeah. with, with Glen Campbell. It was, it, was it was wonderful. It was really wonderful and... and uh,
0: and then get to interview him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he told that. me about how his show, the Glen Campbell, whatever it was called, good, variety, time hour. Or good Time Hour, was replaced by Sonny and Cher. He told me, <laughs> "My show, my show, cost hundred thousand dollars an episode. Theirs cost $150,000, They paid more money and got a worse show." <laughs> 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 and then I got them to do, "Hi, I'm Glenn Campbell." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was very
3: personal. He was. He was. He was. with the Beach Boys for a while. Yeah, so he, he related mm-hmm. so many great stories and stuff. It was. A, it was a special moment for sure. Mm. Yeah. yeah,
4: so lots yeah. more great stories. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm.
2: Did you see uh, some pop artists cross over? To the Christian realm, like Glenn Campbell? Well, probably the first
3: big name that I can remember that did that, well, the first really big name that did that probably was Barry McGuire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was in the New Christy Minstrels right. and Broadway, and and he did a hair, the Hair uh, Musical and all this kind of stuff. And he put out an album, Seeds, uh, in I think 73, maybe, maybe late 72, and actually to this day is is one of the great early Christian music albums that came out. And it just had a great feel to it and great, great music and great message. But B.J. Thomas probably mm. was yes. probably the yeah. first big name. In some ways, I really feel sorry for him because the Christian community was not exactly gracious, gracious mm-hmm. with him. You know, he, uh, he had a hard life. He came out of that. He became a Christian. He put out some Christian albums that were great albums. Uh, we played so much B.J. Oh, yeah. Thomas at one point. You know, he would do concerts. He would do this portion of the concert where he'd do some of his pop hits. So, you know.
2: Raindrops. Raindrops. Yeah. Hooked out a feeling. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yes.
3: Absolutely. Uh, Went you plays uh, Somebody done, somebody wrong song. Right. That's that, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so very harmless and, you know, not bad songs at all. But mm-hmm. the Christian community would get so upset when he would do that. Some of the stuff that happened there was not good. That was probably one of the worst stories that uh, or examples, I could tell you, of right. somebody that came from that uh, mainstream side and came over to the Christian music side. Dan uh,
4: Peek from America. Dan
3: Peek from America. Uh, he was an early one, yeah. All Things Are Possible was a big song yeah. by, him, by him. Obviously, Bob Dylan had a period of time where he put out Slow Train Coming, and yeah. just fantastic. I'll, I'll never forget literally spinning that record. Uh, uh, Slow Train Coming came out in 79, and I, I remember playing that, or maybe 78. And just being amazed that somebody of that stature had accepted the Lord and that his lyrics were so bold for the, for the faith. And uh, just loved that. And, I, I mean, I still listen to that from time to time even now. It was just a great, great project. But, you know, there was, there was a handful of others. I mean, I don't know if Debbie Boone would quite— fit into yeah. that category. But I mean, You Light Up My Life was a major, major, major pop hit. Yeah. Number one song for 10 weeks straight. Mm-hmm. Sort of thing, And uh, so she obviously, she came from a, a family that had faith in it with Pat, Pat Boone. But uh, she, so she was one. There was, there was other ones, of course. Uh, Roger McGuinn from The Birds and Noel Paul Stuckey, Peter Mullen mm-hmm. and Mary. Uh, Noel Paul Stuckey, I remember, at CW Post College, they had a, uh, a concert series. Uh, this probably was in the 80s, I would say, probably the late 80s. And they, um, they promoted a, a Noel Paul Stuckey concert. And my wife and I, Ellen and I, went to that. And there was about 30 people in the audience. Now, this is an arena that sat 3,000 people. There was mm-hmm. about 30 people in that audience. My personal feeling is they did just a poor job of promoting it. And because it was a member of another band, most people didn't know who, what his name was. And so they couldn't. Put it all together, but anyway, I was so impressed because, again, he did his whole set for 30 people, mm-hmm. in an arena that sat 3,000 people, and it was 30 people. Everybody had a front row seat. Mm-hmm. Again, the songbacks and singing and uh, mm-hmm. the jokes and everything else was all there, and it was.: Beyond mm.
4: Demucci was another one.::
3: yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah run around too.
4: Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs>
3: yeah. Russell, the Wanderer. And, as yeah. you're
1: mentioning all of this, I'm thinking about. Did you, uh, you even know those names back I, I, I you're knew, so knew know those you know. names. Are you Rob? feeling very young? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm thinking about today's artists. You know, Chris Tomlin's next album is going to be a Chris Tomlin and Friends album where he's got a lot of country artists that are going to be joining him. And then I think about Dolly Parton guesting on Zach Williams and for King & Country Records. And I think that. The world is okay with that, but then I think about Kanye West and what happened to him last year, going from a foul mouth rapper to someone who's redeemed,
4: openly, mm-hmm. openly and holding special uh, Sunday services. Yes, yeah. 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 yeah, every week. I would say one of the lessons the industry learned was not. to put people on a pedestal too quickly after Mm -hmm. their conversion experience, mm -hmm. Um, give them time to grow and mature in the Lord a little bit before you put them out there. Because some of them got hurt in the middle of all that. So I think things have been more positive since then. I think people have looked at people and let them develop and let them be the person that they are in that moment in Christ. And I think that's been the encouraging part.
0: I think for for some of the young artists, too, because I think Christian music, as much as mainstream, maybe more so, would get kids almost out of the cradle. You know, you think of how many artists there were... Back in the mid to late 80s into the 90s, there, there were 14, 15, 16-year-old girls. Yeah. Yeah. St. Had, yeah, or, Rebecca uh-huh. St. James. Yeah, Rebecca St. James, Bethany Dillon. There are three or four others that then— Stacy Eureka. Yeah, Stacey Eureka. Yeah. And there was one or two I can't remember. You can't remember their names anymore, yeah. which is sad. Yeah. But the audience expected them to be doctrinally yeah. sound, yeah. almost <laughs> have a theological, a master's degree yeah. in divinity. Yeah it's a 16 year old kid yeah. she's not even writing her own music most right. of the time she's just got a great set of pipes mm-hmm. and she loves jesus yeah. mm-hmm. don't expect her to expound yeah. but they didn't and when they would ask him questions that they didn't have an answer for they turn on them yeah. and so a lot of these kids they want uh, several of them had to drop out because they got pregnant out of wedlock yeah. or mm-hmm. just got tired of the grief
4: that the people yeah. were giving them yeah. and went mainstream yeah. instead, We've of, seen instead of lovely Rebecca St. James is just the most lovely young woman. We had the privilege of being on a cruise with for King and & Country. And they brought their entire family, including Rebecca and her kids. It was well, like-
3: we, we asked specifically for her to be a part of that. Yes, and, and, and was it some... well,
4: it was like going on a family reunion with their family because mm. there was that many of them. It was so much fun. And what was lovely was to talk to her. People were careful with her, and she was a very mature young woman. And so she was able to come through all of that Mm -hmm. in a very grace-filled way. And that was beautiful to watch because she's just as wonderful a young mom as she was a young artist and is from this amazing family. So yeah. those were the good, good, example. the good examples yeah. of yeah. things. That
1: right. And the great thing is we have just added the new Rebecca St. James song to yeah. our playlist. Yeah. Yeah. Which came out several which years. came out
4: of that cruise yeah? because she hadn't been performing until that cruise. And we asked if maybe she would get up on stage with her brothers <laughs> And her one brother couldn't go on the cruise because his wife was expecting. And so he wound up missing out.
3: Yeah, you know, Luke, they were expecting their baby and and do any minute kind of thing. Yeah. And <laughs> so he stayed off the cruise. So Joel went on the cruise, and we wanted somebody from the, uh, an older generation of music, and so we wanted three decades represented. So we had for King & Country, we had Brandon Heath, and we were hoping for Rebecca. And, and there was some debate back and forth whether or not she was ready to do it. She hadn't performed for a while and everything else, and so she really felt God said, okay, why don't you do this? And so she did, and he really spoke
1: to her on that cruise. It Good was, awesome. it so was great, an yeah. amazing
4: week, and it's really fun to see what she's doing now.
1: Are there I'm, any other artists that you feel like? I, I can think of one, Chris Rice. And I know he's got a story, and I know he's got reasons for stepping away, but he has recorded some stuff, but he's not pushing it. And I don't want to dwell on Chris Rice or anything, but are there any other artists that you guys just, in your heart, think, man, I really want some more music from them, and they haven't given us anything in forever? Hmm. Can you, I stumped right. him. Right. I stumped right. him. Right. I stumped right. him. Well, you know what comes to mind? First of
0: all, it would be a miracle. It would be Rich Mullins. That's uh, awesome. I wish there was some. Maybe somebody would find a box full of tapes that, that he had done be cool. and never yeah, that, that, got. Would that, would released. Be that would be Oh my cool.
4: goodness! Yeah. Absolutely.
1: It seems like everybody's got a Rich Mullins story. Does anybody here have a Rich Mullins story? I got
0: all? one or two, but I'm sure you guys may as well.
1: <laughs> you want to? You want to? <laughs> <yeah>, the tray. <laughs>
0: Okay, well, this one,
4: it it, it borders on a little bit of crass. So um, we showed up at one of the record labels in Nashville because we had a meeting. Rich showed up with his truck and his dog at the same time, and we wound up having a conversation outside with him. And he goes, yeah, I don't always feel like I fit in there. This was during the very preppy kind of Nashville years, and and Rich wasn't that guy. (laughs) (laughs) So he opened up and said – um, when I go in there, I just don't feel like I fit. I feel like I'm a booger on an hors d'oeuvre tray. <laughs> 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 and I have to say that one has stuck with me because I, I know the feeling he's talking about. We oh. all do. And, um, yeah. and the other one was we were at the Dove Awards one year, and after the Dove Awards, we went to an after party, and the after everybody's all dressed up. Got the and this is when the Dove Awards you got really super dressed up. I mean, super tuxedo. We wear mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and so. Um, We went to this after party and Rich had a way of not saying things and making a very good point. And he um, took the place of one of the waiters behind the table and served people and no one noticed him. And he had just just been on stage at the Doves. And it was a powerful Rich Mullins kind of a moment of who we are as people. One of the things I think, and Lloyd and I look at this probably differently through the lens of a big space of time, God has at different times raised up people in our industry to call out the things in our industry that should not be. Mm -hmm. And I think Keith was one of those. Keith Green. Keith Green. Keith Green. And then he passed. And I think Rich Mullins was one of those other people that Mm -hmm. came along and could say it without saying it and say it with saying it when they needed to. Towards the
0: end, he did. I... I Was in St. Louis when he passed. And he actually did a show in St. Louis and a week or two later was up doing a show that he left and passed away. So within like Mm -hmm. two or three weeks of his death, I introduced him at a concert. Mm -hmm. And I could tell he looked a little more worn, a little more tired, and his delivery was just a little edgier than Mm -hmm. what I had known him to be several years before.
4: I think people like that, They've Been good for us, mm-hmm. all of us. All of us, I include myself, that's not towards anyone else. They've been good for us, they've come along and they've, in very powerful ways, helped us to grow. Mm-hmm. Steve uh, but, Camp, I think, ca- yeah, tried Steve to fit Camp. into that yeah, world yeah, as well yeah, for a little yeah. while.
3: I think I think it's exhausting for them too because oh, they feel yeah. like they're in battle all the time. Yeah, exactly. Not just not with their friends, but I mean, not just with their enemies, but
0: their friends yeah, too. Yeah. More so with their friends, yeah. I think, because yeah. they realize they see something that shouldn't be that yeah. is, and to them, is obvious. And I think the frustration is, why can't you see it? Yeah. Not that they're doing it, but they, they they can't see that what they're doing isn't the way it should be. Mm-hmm. Keith Green used to give all his music away. If you could afford it, great, pay, that, but if not, we want you to have the music. Yeah, this was
4: unheard of and a weird idea at the beginning. It just was, it was just a weird idea. But I think God raises those people up and I think they're willing to speak and they've been an amazing part of this business, so yeah.
2: I have to ask you, I mean, You have been in this industry, and you've seen God use Christian radio in the, what, 40-plus years you've been in this business. How has God worked in your lives throughout all of this?
3: I saw early on that God was in the music. It was powerful music, and it was impactful music. You would see people's lives change because of a song they heard or a story that they heard in a concert. Uh, by the artist or something like that. Pretty early on, it was like, wow, this is really different. This isn't just music and, and a lyric. This is really powerful and it's being used by God. Hmm. So I, I, I always felt, well, a couple of things. First, I, I always felt I wanted to get it out there to more people, whatever it took to get it more visible and more people could hear it and experience it and give God the opportunity to, to speak through the artists. That was part of a motivating force for me. But just hearing the stories of listeners and Jerry, I'm I know you've seen dozens, if not hundreds, of this kind of stuff too, these kinds of things too, but just the emails you get or back in the day letters and mm-hmm. uh, of people's lives who are changed by a song at a certain time, just the right song at the right time, and it was just amazing. I was not on the air a lot. I was I was on the air for like thirteen years. But nineteen, I think eighty-three I went off after being on the air. I won't forget it was years later, maybe ten years later, something like that. I was at a diner or a restaurant or something on Long Island, and this lady came up to me and thanked me for something I had said, and it it saved her marriage. And I have no idea what I said. I don't remember <laughs> saying anything out of know When it was, I I yeah. have no idea. But somehow, whatever I mean, I'm I'm not even a great communicator. But God used something that I said to minister to this woman, and it just it just confirmed in my mind. Wow, he's really. He's really using this and really touching people's lives. And then again, the emails, Ellen, she used to literally answer hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of emails every month from listeners. That was part of what she did. Lives touched, lives changed, and everything. I mean, from suicides being prevented or not happened or healings or uh, relationships or addictions or you can just go down the list. And people's lives because of a song uh, being touched. That was very, very motivational for me. Mm-hmm. And I think
4: something that you probably all take for granted, I did not come out of radio initially, although I've worked in it for on and off for 40 years. There is something that happens when someone particularly is in their car alone, that they hear something rather unique. That if they're in a setting where they're busy and there's a lot going on, they may not hear. And I think it's in those moments that God's able to, to touch people in a very intimate way mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily happen when there's a group around them. They might enjoy the concert and that's wonderful. And But I think there's something that happens just like it happens in our prayer life on a one-on-one basis. You are by yourself in the car and this song comes on and it speaks to you out of some place into some place that you're not expecting. And I, I think music does that. Music takes down walls for people, and Christian music in particular. It speaks to ways in people. I answered literally 1,200 letters a month, and every day I cried at my computer because every day there was something that was life-changing that went on that brought a whole new perspective to someone's life. And that's why we did what we did for so long. Right. Yeah. You know?
2: How has your faith grown personally over all of this time?
3: Well, it just, I mean, your faith gets bolstered all the time. Mm-hmm. When you're going through something in your life that you, you, you're discouraged about or you're, gee, I don't know how this is going to turn out or, you know, what happened to him or whatever, whatever the issue is, seeing God constantly at work in people's lives is very encouraging. And it gives you a reason to, to hope that something can happen in your own life that needs to happen. It's a powerful thing. It's, a, it's really a powerful thing. And um, I've been so glad and, and uh, thankful that God chose me to be a part of this. I said earlier, I was not planning on doing this. <laughs> he really just plucked me out of what I was going to do and put me uh, in a the, in the DJ chair. But it's been a, a real powerful and an amazing opportunity to see, to see people's lives changed and, and uh, my own life changed.
0: Wonderful catching up with you guys again. And now that you're close, we're yeah. going to do this more often. Not fun. necessarily with microphones, but we'll right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Do this more often. Let's get some pizza.
2: You know? Yeah. Yeah. There, yeah. You, go. there we, you go. We got a couple of places for you. Yeah, okay, you know. Okay. You know. Trust me, we're the yes. connoisseurs of New York style pizza. So that's we'll good. we'll we'll hook you up. Yeah. That's great. We <laughs> need that. They always lead me to the right place. <laughs> that, that's yeah, good. We say good. We, we we indoctrinate the southern. You that's know.
4: good. Mission in life. Right.
2: Wow, a lot of reminiscing about Christian radio over the many years that Mm -hmm. Lloyd had been a part of it. The one thing that struck me about this whole thing was really seeing the great love and friendship that you, Jerry, have for Lloyd and Ellen and and how you've been able to sustain that friendship over the years. It's withstood many life changes, mm-hmm. many moves, but yet you guys have still remained close to each other and all that you have gone through, not just in radio, but in your personal life as well. And when I I think of the friendship that you guys have, you know, I look back at my life and how I've been able to remain close with some friends from high school. I think of my buddy Teddy that we would used to, <laughs> we used to walk down the hallways in our high school and sing doo-wop, you know, things like that. And then, you know, another dear friend of mine, Arlette, that I still keep in touch with, whoever... Every so often she lives down near our, our sister station down in, in Sarasota. Oh, yeah. I'll come down and, you know, get to see her. I remain friends with her. And, you know, it just brought up some great memories and how the friendships have withstood the test of time. And lifelong friendships are so important. And sometimes it's it's not easy to keep it going. There was a, a, a short period in my life when Arlette and I had lost touch for for reasons that would probably be three episodes of a podcast. So we won't get into that, but we connected thanks to the old days of my space, hey. you, know, you know, but just, you know, we were able to repair and renew mm. that friendship. I love the book of Proverbs because there's so much that talks about friendship, how to start friendships, how to keep those friendships going, what to stay away from. And I think one of the verses that stood out to me was Proverbs chapter 27, verse nine, perfume and incense bring joy to the heart and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice, Mm -hmm. finding joy from that. And uh, ironically the this next verse verse 10 you'll find interesting jerry with what you went through you'll appreciate, uh, he writes uh, do not forsake your friend or friend of your family and do not go to your relative's house when disaster strikes you <laughs> better a neighbor nearby than a relative far away <laughs> so wow. at the time you went through what you did yeah. you know yeah. with, with the fire there these friendships a lot of us have are vital in our growth not just as human beings but as children of God, Jesus even talks about wanting to be our friend. He talks about this type of relationship in John chapter 15, where Jesus says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, Because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I choose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in the name of my father, he will give you. This is my command, love each other. So he talks about their having that friendship Mm -hmm. with one another, but the fact that Jesus wants to be your friend. He wants to have a relationship with you. Mm. So you really see how having that friendship is vital in our lives.
0: Well, you know, when Jesus says he wants to be our friend and that we should treat each other as friends, that friendship with Jesus impacts our relationship with everyone, or at least it, it should, right? impact yeah. our relationship yeah. with yeah. everyone else. And when your friendship, or a relationship, a marriage, or even a parent and child relationship, is centered on that relationship with Jesus Christ, it will stand up mm-hmm. to the test of time. Even if there are years that go by where you don't speak, because it's been years since I've seen Lloyd Nellan. But when you get in a room together, it's like you've never been apart. Yeah. I know. <laughs> and, and a large part of that is that relationship that's at the core, which is the relationship with Jesus.
1: Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the great things about living in this day and age is that we have social media and we can connect with those friends. And even if we're dealing with a global pandemic and, you know, mm-hmm. are staying away <laughs> from people at, at a distance, you know, physically, we can still have friendships online and, you You've uh, been able to do that with Lloyd Nellen and, and hey, now I'm friends with him. on me Facebook, too. Yes, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know.
0: <laughs> see, I see the impact. That's yeah, that exactly. That's know? a social network I want to be a part of, where yeah. Jesus is at the core of it. Absolutely,
2: hey, yes. I yeah. love
0: it. I love it. <laughs> well, we have another episode.
2: Yeah.
1: Season, season two,
0: episode two. Episode yes. two. <laughs> Coming up on uh, September the 24th. We've got some plans in the work. This is a new season. We may have some new features, dusting off a couple of old features and maybe bringing them back have we scheduled anything for that one feature that we're really keen on
1: uh you talking about will it burrito yeah we'll have to do that soon oh, okay. yes okay. Oh, very, good. very good all right check us out on apple google play uh, i mean you're checking us out somewhere but you know there's other places was what i'm saying everywhere else that you find your podcast, we're pretty much there mm-hmm. and uh, while you're there go ahead make the effort give us a five-star rating and leave a couple of sentences of review if yeah. you want you know that'd be nice helps people find us
0: and you know, if people are listening to us on the Joy FM website, as I think maybe a lot of people who aren't real familiar with podcasts and what they are, hear us talking about it on the air. Well, let's check this out. They find it on the website. You can go to Google or Apple and then subscribe so you don't have to wait for it or, or, or look for it on the website or forget about it. It'll just show up in your feed once you get a podcast player on your mobile device there right. you
2: go and we also talked about connecting with each other on social media and keeping friendships going well we have our own social yeah media. we want to be on... your friend yeah, exactly <laughs> yes a lifelong friend so you can follow us on instagram facebook we've even got a youtube channel and all of those links are on our website and you know if you do have any suggestions you want to just say hi, you can email us. And that is Finding Joy Podcast at thejoyfm.com.
0: The 24th of September, that's a Thursday, mm-hmm. the next episode of the Finding Joy Podcast. Special thanks to Lloyd Nellen for being so gracious to be here with us on uh, this episode. And for Benji and Rob, I'm Jerry. Join us next time on the Finding Joy Podcast. So you might have to cut the
4: booger part out. Right. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh. no. Oh, See, was, that's
2: the good thing about hey. podcasts. You know? Yeah, <laughs> are okay. Yeah, yeah, bookers are okay.